Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast, our 50th episode of the podcast, technically 51st because we did have a half an episode, but we're going to call it a 50th episode. Well done, boys. 50 I'm batted. I'm batted. Let's start again. Let's build again. Build the innings again. Let's try and get to that 100 mark if we can. And what a way to bring in the 50 with another three points and Villa back to winning ways. We'll talk about the game against Fulham, obviously, talk about the action points uh, and get the thoughts of Jugsy and Chazzy, as always. Um, I haven't asked for any comments and questions this time around because we're going to keep it quite a short one uh, for, for this one. A uh, bit of an interesting game, bit of a weird game. And I'll, I'll be interested to hear what, what Chazzy and Jugsy think of it as well. A game for 70-odd minutes, 75 minutes, where it looked like it was the uh, same old story. Um, and Villa were going to be on the end of another defeat, uh, another relatively poor performance with uh, not much going on in the attacking third. And suddenly all hell breaks loose and suddenly we're 3-1 up and Trezgay's bagged a brace. Uh, not really sure what to make of the match. I watched it again over the last couple of days just to just for the pod, really, just to to look over again with fresh eyes. Um, but Chadzi, I was always let's go to you first. Do you think it's do you think, well? Firstly, do you think it's it's tape papering over the cracks, or do you think it's actually a bit of a turning point for this team without Jack that we can do the business? Um, I'm not sure to be honest. I I, I think that. Papering over the cracks is probably a bit of a strong term, but I definitely don't think that this is Aston Villa Mark 2 without Jack Grealish and we can go on and be really confident of picking up results and scoring goals and creating chances without him in the team. We know that's our biggest issue and something over the longer term we're going to have to try and solve, but fingers crossed he'll be back sooner than later. But I thought that it was a pretty flat and poor performance up until the last sort of 15 to 20 minutes and it looked like an end of season dead rubber for us where we'd sort of given up hope of pushing on to um, achieve something such as a European qualification and I was a bit disappointed really with the lack of energy and sort of enthusiasm to get amongst it and um, prove a point after the international break I was hoping for a bit more but Credit to Smith and credit to the substitutes who came on. They changed the game, basically. Um, I've, I've said for a long time, and I think I said on the last podcast, that Keenan Davis affects games when he comes on. And it's very harsh to judge a lad from a goals perspective when he's only getting five, ten minutes here and there. I genuinely think when he's on the pitch for longer periods of time, he does he does make things happen. He does create chances for others. He does work hard and hopefully... If he does get some more minutes under his belt, goals will come for him. So I was delighted that he had a bit of an impact on on the result and obviously on the on the key Trezeguet goal. Um, Trezeguet should get a lot of credit for his finishing. You know, it's not something we we've come to um, sort of expect from him in terms of a bit of bit of quality and a bit of composure in that final third, especially in front of goal. And those two finishes were probably exactly the opposite of what I would have expected from him in those situations. So that was that was nice to see and obviously delighted for Watkins. But yeah, a, a match is 90 minutes long. And if you've only got to play for 10 minutes to win it, then that's fine. It's all about results at the end of the day. Um, and I know there's a lot of people who had that been 1-1 or 1-0 to Fulham would, would have been slamming the team and criticising them for the performance. But feel a lot better for it because three points brightens up our weekend. So 
it depends what you're after, mate. Do you want performances or results? And at the end of the day, everybody, their mood, how they how they reflect on the season, how they reflect on their weekends, how they reflect on how they feel on a Sunday night after the game is whether Villa have won or not, basically, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think look, we've always t- we've always talked about short term and long term. You know, if you look at short term, i.e., immediately you think of well, you want three one and Trezeguet's bagged a brace and Watkins is on the score sheet again, which is good. And we've won, we've beaten Fulham, and we've come back from behind and first time this season. And Mings has atoned for his error, and and you know you're positive. Longer term, obviously, there there's still issues there that we know about. We. Uh, we have overachieved to an extent and had a bit of a we've we've had a bit of a uh well we've we've had to realign our expectations actually and realize where we're actually at as a team without jack especially but it's still three points you've got to take the positives haven't you if you can't be joyous in victory then what's the point of being a fan i think you know you got you got to enjoy it the key now is obviously what what happens moving forward but good to see trez back on on form jugs isn't it and uh back making an impact we don't get we've talked about a lot about our subs uh and not being able to make an impact and, and not contributing to the to any any of the games that they've come on for but summertime trez is back seems when the sun shines trez uh, trez does the business yeah must be a fair weather player now um really pleased for trezegate and smith i thought his uh, changes were spot on and had a good impact and i thought going 442 uh, i think we mentioned in the previous pods where the 433 system is is not working for us and especially when our wingers are probably the weakest point of our team. Um, you've got to change it up to have an impact on games. And I thought Smith made the right change. Um, and yeah, it was lucky for us that we had a, a real positive uh, outcome to the game. And I thought, yeah, it was a flat, flat, flat performance the first 70 odd minutes. And it's just sort of echoed the last sort of eight, eight, nine games for us. But the good thing with this is, um, we're staying in game. So even if you're not playing well, we're not conceding a whole lo- whole loss, uh, load of chances or, you know what I mean, getting behind one or two goals and then trying to fight back into games. We're staying solid as a team, um, which is really important when you're not playing well. So I thought that was uh, a massive sign of improvement that we're organised regardless of not being uh, as effective from an attacking, attacking point of view. Um, and I thought, yeah, big shout out to Keenan, shout out to Keenan. Um, because he had a, a really good impact and I thought you could just show that we can play two, two up top um, especially without Jack I think what I called for uh, in the last pod was maybe a, a diamond in midfield and I think that's something that we still can look at where we use utilise the likes of Sanson and McGinn as two eights and have Jack as a free role because Southampton use a four four two system very well because they get their attackers to get into wide areas So and I think Watkins and Davis are both good enough on the ball uh, both good enough technically and physically, more importantly, to to have have an effect and not just be that sort of long ball um, option, really, where we can play into feet and Watkins can drift off to the left and Davis can lift, drift off to the right. So that gives us a bit more flexibility, especially with Algarzi, who I thought was really poor and had little impact on the game. And Truore sort of had a good last 10 minutes, um, I thought, is, is cross and little bit of play was uh, great for Watkins' goal. And that's what I expect a bit more from. He's too predictable to Rory for me. And when he got into his right foot and put that cross in, I think he caught the defender by surprise because he was expecting him to go into his left foot. So just shows what Rory can do if he gets a bit more um, instinctive, instinctive with his play and not predictable. So um, overall, I thought it was quite positive. And 
look, we can look at the 17 minutes and be negative about that, but let's just be positive about Mings turning it around. Um, I thought he showed a lot of character and it summed him up, I think. Yeah, he made a mistake and he has made a few this season, but he didn't hide away or shy away. He's a leader. He's a leader of the team and he made an impact and um, he was always keen still to, to get on the ball. And when you're a ball-playing centre-back, you do make mistakes. I think Stones had one in midweek for England and it happens really. So I wouldn't, sort of go too harsh on him um, is one of those things and it was good character from from Mings and the team yeah um, no, let's, before we talk on general play because I agree with Jugs for 70 odd minutes it was really poor and we were playing too many long balls down the channels with no aimless balls but we'll, we'll push up we'll, we'll sort of uh, go on that into, 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 in a second but I want to talk about Mings firstly Chadsey um, another mistake for Tyron Mings yes he's atoned for it but it's another mistake um, I I sort of lost it a little bit at him when he made that mistake, and and I'm a big I'm a big fan of Tyron Mings, and I've we've backed him on this pod, and I continue to back him as a player, but he does make mistakes, and that mistake for me, it was you know it wasn't like he was under too much pressure. He had time. Uh, yes, Mitch Rich was closing him down, but he could have taken a touch. He didn't have to play first time. At the same time, he could have let the ball run across him and then play it down the line. I mean, what 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 is it with Mings? What do you think it is with Mings? Because he's on his day, he's such a fantastic defender. And the last ten weeks or so, he's probably been one of our best players, uh, and probably one of our best players overall this season. If you look at it, but why why do these mistakes keep happening? Why why why? And also on that, what's your reaction to them? Also with how fans are, you've either got fans one end of the spectrum saying. He's an amazing defender. Forget it. Don't worry about it. We got fans the other end of the spectrum saying, "Get rid. You know, we don't need him in this club. We need to improve on him. He's terrible." Where, where do you sit? Um, we definitely don't need to get rid because he's been one of our best players this season, and we've got a record number of clean sheets or very close to. So he's been a key part of what's been an absolutely magnificent defensive record and some brilliant performances this season. Um, doesn't mean to say he doesn't make mistakes. So he's not a robot and. I think it's fair to say that he can be a bit too casual at times, especially in a Villa shirt. You know, I don't think he makes that mistake for England because he's wanting to prove himself. He's wanting to be very um, sort of assertive and confident with what he's doing. Where, as with Villa, you know, he he knows he's starting every game every week, so maybe he does need probably a bit of more competition for places in order to eradicate these these errors that do creep into his game. But um, I. I I've noticed in the last couple of weeks that there there does seem to be a bit of a communication issue with the the back three. You know, Mings, Concer, and Martinez. There was a couple of long balls in in the in the game before um, where they weren't sure if Martinez was coming or not. Obviously, Martinez made the mistake for the goal, um, but I think Mings and, and Concer weren't probably on the same wavelength as him as well. So there's there's quite a few things that come into play here. But the, at the end of the day, you know, we're uh, a middle-tier Premier League club. And for um, Tyrone Mings, we're, we're his level. You know, we're, he's never going to go and play for a top-six club. But he's also very... He's an international player and he's a very um, high performer for Villa nowadays. So he's exactly the type of player that, in terms of the level Villa are at, if that makes sense. You know, Man City aren't going to come in and sign him. But at the same time, we're not at Man City's level. So we shouldn't expect to 
have those types of players in, in our team. But your point around John Stones making mistakes and or Jugsy said it around ball playing defenders, they are going to make mistakes. And Mings is the one that's asked to keep the ball alive. He's the one that's asked to start attacks. He's the one that's um, going to sometimes make that decision to lay it off back to Martinez. And yeah, he's, he's made an error. He's done really well to atone for it. And his character after showed what a leader he is. And um you know, he's going to make more mistakes for Villa. It's, it's, we're just going to have to deal with that and not not uh, throw the baby out with the pram or whatever the phrase is. You know, I really like Mings. I think he's so important for our team. And 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 I think what does get unnoticed, I don't think Konza plays at the level that he's playing at without Mings next to him. I think Konza's a fantastic, natural, naturally gifted defender. You know, he does everything right. He knows how to defend. He knows how to make the right decision at the right time. But let's not forget a year ago, Con- that wasn't Konza. Konza was the complete opposite of that. He was making mistakes. He was making poor decisions. He was getting bullied. But obviously, Mings has helped massively with that. And Mings does organise that defence and does tell Konza where to be um, at, at times as well. So he's integral to our team. I, I just wish, because with Mings, I just wish he cut these mistakes out. But like you said, maybe that's that's the level we're at. But he's got all the ability in the world. He's got the height. He's got the pace. He's got the physical uh, st- stamina, the strength. He's got the the ball playing abilities. He's got everything in his locker to be a top class defender. It's just that element, that uh, concentration, which I suppose is is what separates the elite from that from that very. It good is, level. but he's also he's he's also still developing. Let's, let's not forget that we signed him when we we're in the championship because he couldn't get a game for Bournemouth, and he's developed massively from that player that Bournemouth didn't want, and from the player that was looking sometimes out of sorts even in the championship. So his sort of level of development over the last two or three years is massive. And playing in a better team with better defenders, better goalkeeper around, and you've seen what it's done for the whole back four. You've seen what it's done for Concer, for for Target, for Cash, and he's developing just as much. So I think we've got to give him time to, to keep improving, keep eradicating those mistakes. And before you know it, you've got very close to the complete defender. And there's, But there's no reason we should expect him to be the complete defender now, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and no, I get that. I get that. And, uh, you know, generally speaking, I'm oh, sorry, if you look at it from a statistics, statistics point of view, look at the number of games he's played, you know, he's probably at the level of what, a 23, 24-year-old, maybe 22-year-old, something like that, in terms of experience in the top flight. So, yeah, yeah, I get that point. You know, he's obviously had a couple of bad injuries and he's coming back from that and he's, he's still developing. So, yeah, I, I definitely get that point. And I still think he's one of our most important players uh, and, and he's integral to a team, like I've just said. So, you know, I'm I'm fine with it. He's atoned for his mistake, and and hopefully continues because he, like I said, he has been in these nine last nine or ten games. He's been one of our best players. Uh, I think that's unquestionable. You know, he's been so important to our. You know, as Juggs said, being solid at the back whilst we're not playing well, it's, it's an important factor. But anyway, let's let's move on then, and uh, I want to talk a bit more about our style of play and our performance because I do think the three one does mask over a relatively poor performance. Uh, but not let's not take anything away. It's three points, and you know the players on the bench are just as important as the players on the, on the pitch and the, starting the game. You know it's a squad game. But in terms of performance and in terms of tactics, Jugsy, what did you make of the the starting lineup? Make of Sanson and Louise sitting as a two and McGinn playing that number ten role, and with our wide players and the overall sort of performance and and what we did in terms of creating chances. Yeah, I thought. Um... It was an odd first half, really. So it was a lot of endeavour, but not much quality in the final third. And obviously, Smith 
uh, probably seen McGinn's form for Scotland and thought, why not utilise him in an advanced position, try and get the best out of him. And it was a bit effective, but not not great, I thought. I thought McGinn was probably brighter, brightest out of the three midfielders. Um, Sanson, again, worked hard, showed good t- tactical nous, uh, but again, him and Louise are pretty similar. I mean, they lack that physicality, I think, for the Premier League. And Sanson gets in, into some good positions um, in that sort of left-hand channel. Um, but again, he's limited in his options in terms of creating something with Algarzi or getting an overlap from target. I just feel like Algarzi is a bit out of form and the fullbacks are not offering much of a, a, an attacking threat. I'm not sure if they've been asked to push up as much now or not because we're not playing that great. Um, so we really struggled to break down Fulham, I thought. Um, Fulham were quite comfortable. They held a good back line. I thought they were pretty good with the offsides with against Watkins and Troy didn't have much joy on that right-hand side either. And um, I think it's an area we need to definitely improve. We're not creating any any chances of note, really. We're playing that long ball to Watkins, which didn't really work, um, asking Watkins to do too much. And it's difficult for Smith. I don't know what... I don't think he knows what his best three in midfield is. Um with McGinn and Sanson, uh, because obviously I think he's lost trust in Barkley. That, that's evident but by not putting him on. But I thought Ramsey was really bright when he came on. And I thought that McGinn and Ramsey as a, t- as a two really worked. And Ramsey is the player that has the potential for me because he has that physicality. He's a ball carrier. Um, technically, he looks pretty, pretty decent. He just needs a bit of experience in first-team football. He needs a season maybe in the championship, I think, just to get to that sort of level where he's being a bit more consistent. So I think it gives Smith food for thought, I think. Um, and obviously with a Grealish injury now, uh, whether that's a reoccurrence or a new injury, we're not sure when he's back. So I think Smith needs to look at, look at the options in midfield and maybe try and go with a 4-4-2. And uh, either you're asking Trezeguet and Troy to play as, as two wingers or maybe a diamond in midfield if Grealish is fit. So I think there's plenty of options and plenty of flexibility within the squad. But I think there's question marks, I think, on on some of the players. They're just out of form. I think Sanson's had not much impact and it's always going to be tough for him coming in, in Jan, really. So I think we'll judge him next season. I think Louise is not in great form. He's doing okay, but not the Louise he was earlier this season. Um, and Wingers, I think Trezeguet is good. Um, if you want, if you've got Grealish on the pitch or you're playing a 4 because he does offer a lot defensively, but in a, in a three, I don't think Trezor is going to do enough. I think. Yeah, I'll be. I'll, yeah, we, I guess we'll see what uh, Smith does. You know, Ramsey again uh, came on. Was another player that came on looked bright as well. Uh, offered a bit of energy, and I think I think Chad's is right. You know, uh, we locked we lacked a lot of energy and, and enthusiasm. Really, we looked devoid of ideas, but also devoid of any motivation. It looked like a dead rubber. It definitely did. It looked like an end of season game and. And Trezeguet, Davis, and Ramsey did spark something in us, um, which was good to see. But you know, there's still something to fight for there, isn't there? There's not. It's not like we're yes, we're safe, but you don't want to just let the season fall away, do you, Chads? No. Look, if we beat Liverpool on Saturday, which I know is a massive if because they're coming into some form again, and we've been pretty poor for a while now. But if we do, we go two points behind them with the game in hand, and you know they're sitting in seventh, so. If we can somehow muster a run of form like we went on at the start of the season, I haven't written off doing something, you know, special and, and um, surprising a few people. Maybe finishing that top eight, even top seven. Look, I know it's far more likely that we're going to finish 11th, 12th, 13th, but 
never give up and always try and look at the positive side. And you never know what could happen. Now, Grealish could come back sooner than we think. We could go on a run. We could we could click again. We could find some form. And if we win four matches on the trot, all of a sudden we're seventh, eighth in the league, pu- pushing on again. And the last couple of weeks could be really exciting. So it is quite easy to get down with uh, six or seven weeks of poor performances. But we're still up there. We're still sort of nudging on the door. And that result hopefully gives us a bit of momentum and a bit of belief again because, you know, that's the first time we've come from behind to win a game this season. I know Fulham are in the bottom three, but, you know, they are a better side than that, I think. They're a completely different side from the first two months of the season. And I've got a feeling they will stay up. You know, they hadn't lost away from home in eight games before Sunday. So it's not like we've rolled over Sheffield United or or West Brom. They're a half-decent outfit. And... um, that was a really good result. So, you know, it it does come back to Grealish a lot of the time. And the sooner we get him back, the more likely that scenario that we're going to go on a bit of run will will happen. And um, I do feel like the lack of energy and lack of enthusiasm that we saw on, on Sunday in the first hour was purely down to that. You know, I think when when the players were maybe expecting him to be back and then he's out again he just he just does so much for the belief doesn't he just so much for the energy on and off the pitch for the whole club fans players even even management by the looks of it and um i think they were a little bit demoralized by news that he might be out for longer than expected and it it showed really didn't it what what do you make of that chads um I, I got in a few, not heated debates, but debates with other fans around around Jack's injury. And, and I made the point that either it's a new injury that's developed or it's uh, it's worse than we originally thought and he's, he's picked up another knock or he's, he's feeling pain again. And Because you know a lot of fans were saying, well, why, why are we bigging him up, his return back and he's in training photos and then suddenly the day before the game, Oh, apparently he's injured again, you know, and there's a big conspiracy like, you know, what's going on with Jack? Is there more to it? I don't, I mean, I don't understand why we would be beginning his return up if there was more to it. We would just keep quiet. So I don't know why people think it's a conspiracy. What would what, you make of it all? Do you think it's just, it's just one of those things in football and you yeah. just got to live with it or do you think there's more yeah, to it? I think it happens all the time. Players are very close to returning from injury and they get, a knock or they get after effects of the, the last most intense training session or their last fitness test before the weekend and they're out for another week or two because they're not quite where they thought they were because nothing can mimic that last final test or or match practice and if it was Trezeguet or Matty Cash or John McGinn we probably wouldn't be looking into it as much we wouldn't be talking about conspiracy theories it would just be an injury that's gone on for longer than we would have hoped and because it is Jack Grealish and there is quite a lot of mystery around the man generally, isn't there? Even like his personal life, we don't know much about him for someone that's such a god to most fans. He's quite an intriguing character. So I think that, um, yeah, it's just the nature of the player. The nature of the player and I think is a combination of, he was definitely training last week, so I don't doubt that Smith believed he was going to be back or at least in contention. Um But I also do believe there is a little bit of Villa probably protecting Jack's best interests in terms of his his chances at uh, playing for England at the Euros. I think we want to minimise the potential that Southgate and the England setup are starting to make plans for life without Grealish because we know how much this means to him. Dean Smith knows how much it means to him. We know how how hard he's had to work to get that opportunity and. Playing for England in a Euros in the summer, whether we like it or not, is 
Jack's number one priority at the minute. You know, if it means missing a few more games for Villa, as much as he loves the club, he's going to do that because he's never going to get this opportunity again. He can play for Villa, hopefully for the next five or six years. Whereas a home England for Euros, when he's worked so hard to get in the squad, is a once in a lifetime chance. So I do think there's a bit of that at play as well. And I don't take it personally when the club doesn't tell me information because at the end of the day, I've, I've got no right to that information. It's up to Smith and Grealish to do what's best for them. Why are they lying, Chads? Why are they lying? Tell me why are they lying? I know, they know more I than know. they're letting on. I know. <laughs> I don't, I don't worry get about it. something I mean, why else. You... Worry about something else. Yeah, oh no. I don't get it. I don't get it. It annoys me. It actually does actually annoy me. Like, why why do you like it's annoying, I get it. it's frustrating because we want Jack back and we're like, well, he's he's back and we're planning for him to be back and he's suddenly out. It's frustrating and it is demoralizing, but it's football. This this kind of thing happens. Shit happens, you know what I mean? You can't do anything about it. it happened with Barkley and Barkley's hamstring injury, you know, we thought he was gonna be back earlier than expected. It took longer. Engels, we didn't know he was he was injured for ages last season. We had no idea what was going on. No one knew what was going on. Everyone thought he'd fallen out with Smith or done drugs or whatever, whatever rumour was was coming up. You know, it was obviously just an injury. And then Villa are obviously a bit coy about injuries. Um, just one, before I go into the last thing I want to talk about Fulham, which was the penalty decision, just quickly, a question that's uh, come up in the last few days and I've been talking to other fans about, I'd just be interested to hear what you think. This season, if we didn't have Jack, do you think we stay up? Jugsy? Yeah, I think we would. Um, I think... As a side, obviously, I think we've developed so much defensively and that was from last season. Um, and I think we'd have enough about us with Watkins up front. And I think Barkley may have stepped up more without Jack, I think. I think Barkley's gone a bit more under the radar because Jack's been the main man. So maybe if Barkley was that main man for us, he would have maintained his form. Um, but yeah, I think we had, we've got enough quality in the squad. Obviously, we would have had another winger in instead of Jack. So I would be hopeful that we would be still a decent enough side. But I think our squad overall is good. It's just we're too reliant on Jack. That's more of the issue rather than the squad. So if Smith had time to then prepare teams and formations without Jack, I think we've got enough quality in, in that in that um, squad to be sort of lower mid-table. I think we would be just above the relegation zone. I don't think we would be mid-table like fighting for Europe or anything. I think it'd be a case of maybe that Crystal Palace sort of position I would see us. I think we're much better than the likes of Sheffield United, West Brom, Newcastle, Brighton. Yeah. Chad? It's a very good question, actually. And um, I, the answer is I, I just don't know. The last couple of months without him, we have been pretty poor, haven't we? Let's be honest. And Juggsy just reeled off a load of teams that we have struggled to beat or lost to um, without him. Um, I think I'd like to think, yeah, we'd have enough to stay up. But you know, just from a belief perspective, as much as anything, you know, when you when I've said it before, when you walk out onto that pitch and you've got one of the best players, if not the best player in the league, on form, you you just believe you can win a game and it brings the best out in other players. And I just think we, we, we do lack a lot of energy and belief without him in the team, not to mention his quality as well. I think we'd finish 15th, 16th, probably. Um, <laughs> um, but it's, it's a tricky one. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, it, it's hard, it, you know, it depends if he's injured. Do... Sorry, it depends if he's injured. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I suppose. If yeah. he was injured, if he was yeah. injured, then we'd still have the squad. But if you were talking about if Jack Greer had left in the summer, we would be relegated because we wouldn't have signed Martinez, Watkins, 
everyone else, if that makes sense. They all joined yeah. on the basis I that we were going to keep him in the project. Yeah, I suppose what I'm saying is if we bought someone else instead of Jack and kept the same squad is, is sort of my question. But It would have to be yeah, I suppose it's a... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll get that. Right, uh, uh, so last thing on the game, penalty decision in the first half. I watched it back and I, I, it's the same as I thought at the time. It's a clear penalty to me. I don't... Yeah, maybe he might have got the ball straight after, but Watkins definitely touches the ball first and he gets Watkins, then the ball for me. Uh, what, what do you think, Chads? Um, well, whether you think it's a penalty or not, it's not a clear and obvious error from the referee. So VAR shouldn't have got involved. That, that's the whole point. So it's, you're right, it's, it's got to be a penalty. As soon as he's given it, that's a penalty. The only way it can be overturned if it is a clear and obvious error, it's not a clear and obvious error because you think it's definitely a penalty. Loads of people think it's definitely a penalty. I think it's a penalty. So it's not a clear and obvious error. And the fact that they only looked at one camera angle again just shows the complete yeah. fast core nature of the process. What's that about, by the way? Like, why, if you're going to... It's a fast. Go back to referee. Yeah, what, he has to... It has to be protocol that he has to show every camera angle. He has to be shown every single camera angle because you're looking at it from one angle, it looks completely different to another camera angle. Like, I'm looking at it front on with Ollie Watkins facing the camera and it looks like a clear penalty. You can see Watkins touch the ball first and then Lamina get nowhere near the ball. From the other side, it looks 50-50. I get it. Clear and obvious. I've not, no idea if that's still a thing or not, but... Regardless, you know, it's got to be a big mistake for it to be overturned. And I don't think it was a big mistake. Yeah, it's a shambles. They've spent hundreds of millions of pounds on the technology and then forgot to spend £5,000 on writing the protocols and the processes out on how the technology should be used. Yeah, It's just thick beyond belief and I can't get my head around it. Yeah, and I agree. I agree. Well, uh, it is what it is. We won the game, it doesn't matter. But I think it would have been a different game anyway if we'd got that goal. With a bit more yeah, belief one thing, as well. Sorry, the one thing I was going to say on the penalty is I absolutely love that Watkins was going to take it. I don't know if you noticed that, but he, he had the ball in his hands. He was pushing Al Ghazi away. He was pushing McGinn away. And that, you know, for, for me, that just shows what an England call-up does to a player. You know, that's, that's massive for his confidence. He scored on his England debut and he's come back to Villa. I'm not saying he's a different player in terms of technically, but mentally now he's probably in a different space. And I think he'll start finishing off those half chances. He'll start being our talisman. He'll start putting those penalties away. And his confidence has gone through the roof just from one one call-up. And uh, that was that was quality to see. That was the main reason I was disappointed that the penalty was taken away because I wanted just him to just smash that home and banish the memories of the missed penalty at West Ham and the, the chances he might have missed this season. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's one of the positives of uh, international football, isn't it? that confidence he gives a player. And at the end of the day, those players, that's the pinnacle for them. They want to get into the international level. So if they can do that at Villa, it means that they can stay at Villa and continue to flourish at Villa. So, you know, as much as I hate international football, especially qualifiers, then, you know, it's still important. Let's move on then. Let's finish off with the uh, quick look at the Liverpool game uh, coming up. Jugsy, Liverpool sort of, well, I would say back on form. They've had a really good performance against an Arsenal side who were completely lacking in any sort of Physically, mentally, technically, they just looked all over the shop. Do do we read too much into that game and Liverpool back, or do we still think that Villa have got a good chance against Liverpool, who have who have overall been relatively poor compared to what they're normally like? I think it's a good timing to play Liverpool. They've got Champions League games against Madrid either side of playing us, so I'm hopeful there'll be some rotation in their squad because obviously they've got injuries, and I think what Klopp has done and has really helped is getting Fabinho back in as defensive midfielder. I think 
he just protects the back four a lot more and the centre-backs don't look as vulnerable uh, with Fabinho there. And obviously getting Jota back from injury has helped because I think the front three at different periods of the season have been out of form. I don't think Mane is the player he was last season. Um, I think Salah, Salah is the most sort of uh, consistent and Firmino's again uh, been hot and cold. So it'd be an interesting one. I think we've got a really good chance of doing a double uh, over Liverpool and um, I'm not sure where you need to go back in history to see when that happened last. But um, I'm hopeful there'll be a few changes and I just want us to have a, um, a good approach and I think counter-attack again um, would be the best option against Liverpool. I think they're vulnerable, especially their full-backs when they push up. Um, so I think Trezeguet will come back into the side just because he offers so much uh, defensively against, obviously, Liverpool's uh, full-backs. Um, but I'm expecting a few changes. I think um, Klopp's main focus is the Champions League because they're in seventh. Obviously, he's still pushing for the top four position in the Premier League, but I think he thinks they've got a good chance with the Champions League. Um, so I'm hopeful they'll make a few changes and who knows, Grealish might be fit, might not be fit, but we've had a good result. So we just need to be positive and try and look upwards and keep up the momentum really. Um, so yeah, it been an interesting one. Chad, your thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm uh, reticent to be positive just in case you clip me up on, clip me up on Monday and stitch me up, but you know me, mate. I, I love a love an away win at Anfield. I think I was there last time, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly positive. I'm not. Jugsy just I quote Jugsy and saying we've got a great chance of winning. I mean, not sure where that comes from, given our form and their form, but I like it, Jugs. I really do like it. And um, the Chad's Chadsy way. Yeah, let's see. I, I'd snap your hand off for a draw, keep the momentum going a little bit, get back on track, be solid, nil nil, one all or something, but. Why not? Let's go and win it on the break. We, we actually played quite well there towards the end of last season, didn't we? Um, yeah. And we had quite a few chances where we just, we weren't clinical enough. So hopefully Watkins or, you know, even Trez with a bit of confidence can just put one away and just hurt them. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, we've got to have a chance, haven't we? Hopefully Jack's back. We'll see, I guess. Doesn't <laughs> sound too promising given what he said. He said, he said, I'll be back soon. So I don't think that means this week. But, Croatia, back for Croatia. Back for Croatia, yeah. Back for Croatia. No, he's not going to Euros, he's just going for the beaches. Uh, But anyway, thanks, boys. Thanks for your time. Good to chat the game through. Some interesting insight, as always. Uh, We'll be back with the pre-match social to preview the Liverpool game sometime this week, probably Thursday or Friday. Uh, Look out for that. And the boys will be back next week after the Liverpool game and reviewing that match. Hopefully another win and get back-to-back wins again. It's been a long time since we've had that, it seems. But thanks to boys. Thanks for listening. Usual spiel. Please do follow and subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you're on. And please follow us on Twitter at Villa Podcast or on Word. And apart from that, thanks to the boys. Thanks to you for listening and up the Villa. Cheers, lads. Up the Villa. Up the Dino. Go on, Dino. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it.